from the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the seventh to Militate, continued. Let us be on our guard, then, against evil desires, since death hath its seat close to the entrance of delight. Wherefore the scripture commandeth us, saying, Go not after thy concupiscences. Since, therefore, the eyes of the Lord behold the good and the evil, and the Lord is ever looking down from heaven upon the children of men to see who hath understanding or is seeking God, and since the works of our hands are reported to him day and night by the angels appointed to watch over us, we must be always on the watch, brethren, lest, as the prophet saith in the psalm, God should see us at any time declining to evil and become unprofitable, and lest, though he spare us now, because he is merciful and expecteth our conversion, he should say to us hereafter, These things thou didst, and I held my peace. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. We come to the last section of the first degree of humility. Let us be on our guard then against evil desires. Evil desires uh, proceed from the world, from outside ourselves, from the flesh, that is to say from within ourselves, or from the devil, that is to say, from below. And St. Benedict enjoins us to be on our guard. We have to watch attentively our thoughts. The, the Desert Fathers teach us to do this, saying that the monk is like a fisherman who looks at the surface of the water to see if the water is troubled. And the monk has to keep guard, keep watch over his thoughts. Desires come to us first in the form of a little thought. And if we lend an ear to that thought, if we engage with that thought, if we begin to uh, hold a conversation with that thought, it grows and it matures into a desire. And the desire can lead us to uh, an action, a sinful action. And so it it all begins with uh, keeping watch over our thoughts. The most effective way of dealing with uh, wicked thoughts, uh, with these incipient movements, is to uh, come to the spiritual father, come to the abbot, and expose them to the light of day. The brother who tries to sort out his thoughts on his own um, endangers himself at several levels. First of all, uh, to want to sort oneself out 
is an act of pride. I'm all right. I can figure this out. I can control it. Uh, I can analyze it. I can find the solution. I don't need help from anyone. Pride. Pride. So the humble man comes and says, look, embarrassing as it is, this is the thought I'm having. I don't know what to do with it. And very often, by the mere fact of exposing the thought, the, it's, it's like defusing a bomb. It's diffused. Um, it's, it's potential for um, endangering the soul is disarmed. So that's the first thing. Um, th th this is uh, a classic with, with evil thoughts. Um, the, the complexity of it. Uh, I have this thought. I can, I can sort myself out. I can cope with it on my own. I need not uh, ask advice of uh, Father Pryor. Uh, I need not talk about it. Um, I'm a grown-up after all. I can cope with this sort of thing. All of that is, is pride. So, first of all, to, to expose thought and then to obey what uh, the spiritual father says. Uh, not simply to say, well, I'll take that under consideration. I've had that happen in the past with people who've come to me for, for ghostly counsel. And they thank me and say, well, I'll, I'll take that into consideration. And then they go off and do exactly as they please. And uh, their, their final state is by far worse than the first. Um, and it's not so much in the, the counsel given by the spiritual father, the virtue... It's not so much in the, in, in, in the counsel given, but it's in the obedience of the disciple. Humility in exposing the thought, uh, obedience in carrying out the counsel given. So do you see how the two virtues play together? Humility first in exposing the thought, and then obedience in carrying out the prescribed course of action. And this, this goes to the heart of what it is to be a monk. The, the humble, the imitation of the humble and obedient Christ. Scripture commandeth us, saying, Go not after thy concupiscences. What are concupiscences? Concupiscences are the things we think we want, or even worse, the things we think we need. Uh, because uh, the devil... Is such an astute uh, observer of human behavior and human psychology. And he can convince a man, you have to have this. Without this, you, you, you simply will not be able to be happy. You need this. You, have to, you, you need this in your life. And it could, this could be anything. could be anything. But, uh, and one can talk oneself into believing, oh, if I don't have this particular Thing, and this again can be anything, I simply will not be able to go forward. And then one puts oneself in an impossible situation. That's why St. Benedict talks about the concupiscences. Um, the things we think we need. 
And sometimes, once we have what we need, we lose all interest in it. Uh, you know little children, how little children, oh, uh, Daddy, Mommy, I have to have that toy. Just, just that toy, and I'll never ask for anything again as long as I live, if I can only have that game or that toy, you know. And the child has it, and an hour later, he's lost interest in it, he's bored, and it's put aside, you know. But there's a little bit of that in all of us, you know. I just need this one thing, and I'll be, I'll be a happy monk. Right, you get it, and then you see, mm, happiness is not in things, nor even in, in, in uh, situations. Um, and so this is why uh, St. Benedict enjoins us not to go after our concupiscences. And then he uh, presents us with a very um, consoling portrait of God. I love this section of the first degree. Since therefore the eyes of the Lord behold the good and the evil, and the Lord is ever looking down from heaven upon the children of men to see who hath understanding or is seeking God. Note the way St. Benedict describes God. He doesn't say the Lord is ever looking down from heaven upon the children of men to see who is sinning or who is going all awry. He doesn't say that. He says to see who hath understanding or is seeking God. I find this very consoling because the image it evokes for me is of God who, who is looking down, and if he sees a man, even with the beginning of understanding, fear of the Lord, the beginning of understanding, oh, he, he goes to that soul and gives grace for grace. If he sees a man who is seeking God, God bends low to that man and says, here I am, here I am. This is a very consoling image of God. And sometimes people, I don't know where they get these ideas, um, they, they, their image is that human beings are like um, insects of some sort, or, um, and that God is there with, a, with a, a hammer just waiting to pounce. It's a terrible image. And the number of people who live with that image of God that, that yes, God is, is, is looking down from heaven, but it's, it's to catch someone in a screw-up. That's the image people have. And then punish. St. Benedict says here uh, that God looks down from heaven to see who hath understanding or is seeking God. And since the works of our hands are reported to him day and night by the angels appointed to watch over us, um, St. Benedict, uh, long before there was the modern popular devotion to the guardian angels, which uh, took form in the feast of the holy guardian angels uh, and in um, really uh, in, in, in modern currents of piety, um, long before all of that, uh, there is the biblical and liturgical um, 
patristic devotion to the angels, of which St. Benedict is, is really representative. Uh, if you notice, all the times he speaks of the angels in the Holy Rule. And here, the angels are appointed to watch over us. And the angels are uh, always in um, communication with God and uh, on mission to men. So that uh, there is a living uh, communication at every moment between ourselves and the throne of God. Uh, that's, that's a very helpful way of looking at the, the role and the mission of the angels. By the way, I gave Brother John Baptist uh, Cardinal Danielou's book um, on the mystery of Advent so that he might read the chapter on St. John Baptist. But he also has a chapter on the angels in that book, which is marvelous, marvelous. So if you want a good commentary on the role of the angels in the divine economy, read in Cardinal Daniel's book that chapter on the angels. We must be always on the watch, brethren, lest, as the prophet said in the psalm, God should see us at any time declining to evil, and become unprofitable. Uh, it means slipping, slipping away, slipping into the abyss, declining to evil, going down into evil, and become unprofitable. Uh, and uh, lest, though he spare us now because he is merciful, and expecteth, expecteth here means wait, uh, and uh, expecteth our conversion. So this tells us what, what God in this present moment is merciful and waits for our conversion. What is our conversion? Our conversion is, can be as simple as a cry of distress from the depths of the heart. That's a conversion. That's a conversion. To convert means to turn towards God. And so the man who is in the depths of distress, if that man uh, raises his voice or even lifts his heart to God, in a, in a cry for mercy, that is an act of conversion. That is an act of conversion. And God responds, oh God, um, that, that act of conversion itself is a fruit of grace, of prevenient grace, but when man responds to it, God then responds to man's response to grace with another grace. And that's how we emerge from situations of temptation and sin and unhappiness. Um, it's, it's grace given, responded to, uh, man's response to grace, and then grace given for grace. And so that God draws us to himself uh, by means of a chain of interlinking graces.